0: Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, where we over analyze characters from your favorite movie, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers.
1: And I'm Tyler, he, his, him.
0: And today we are diving into what I would say is a universe. A An complete, entire universe. An utter universe. But before we get there, Tyler, I have mm-hmm. a question for you.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: So we are diving into a universe today, and it's a universe that is very well known in the world of cartoons, and it has some very popular music numbers in it, and some very fun music numbers in it. And Tyler, what is your favorite song from Steven Universe?
1: Sure. So I think for me, the one that stands out immediately is Stronger Than You, which is the song that Garnet sings after No. The-
0: Using. no that's not your favorite yeah because <laughs> that's my favorite yes it is <laughs> yes it's so oh, good that's awesome <laughs> that was gonna that's be my so good answer. it's a good
1: song first yes. of all it's a banger mm-hmm. second of all it's just so good like story-wise and plot-wise too right. uh, yeah it's a very it's just a very good song for me she's personally like out
0: of that person it's i know wonderful. she's like all in it i've used it as a workout track <laughs> and also like nice. coming from a narrative philosophy of like therapy and mm-hmm. i really like internal part system there was something really cool about the idea of like even oh yeah the parts coming together to form your greater self again and that like if you can get all your parts together like nothing is unstoppable And it helped me, like,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it was one of those songs that I'm like, I'm going to use this to make myself feel stronger in moments where I don't. Yeah. And then just shout out. I never
1: thought of it that way, but that's really cool.
0: Oh, yeah. Like that was how I like first heard it, because I think that's what I needed at the moment. Um, But just Mm -hmm. shout out to some other great songs is the Here Comes a Thought. I've used that a lot in therapy.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Great song. And then I also really because I love sad songs. um, I love the song uh, It's Over, Isn't It? That Pearl Sings. Um, It's just a good sad song. But uh, <laughs> yes, Stronger Than You. Is- it's
1: interesting that that's our favorite song and neither of us picked Garnet or Ruby. Right. Or <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: now, spoilers ahead. But yes, we neither of us did that character. I feel like in the show, she is she goes through almost her own therapeutic journey. Like so like at the end of it, like with everything that happens with the both of them and then together as Garnet, like they're good. They're yeah. in a strong spot.
1: But we are, we are talking about
0: Steven's universe today and we are diving into a, not only I would say great like children's cartoon, but like something that has really touched a lot of adults And it's Mm -hmm. a show I think that really transcends the genre and the demographic it was made for. It is technically a, a show on Cartoon Network, originally like aired for children, but it aired at night as well. So you are kind of marketing towards maybe those middle schoolers a little bit older. But I know a lot of adults that are like Steven Universe is awesome. And I even first heard, like really heard about the show um professionally at a training and how to incorporate it into therapy but tyler i do believe you have a new client
1: i do before i get into that though we also just got to mention how awesome this show was for lgbtq representation i just needed to get that in there because i can't tell you how many clients when the show was airing like i would talk to about Mm -hmm. this show in particular That being said, I do have a new client, and I have one more caveat right before we get in there. I am about to spoil the end of Steven Universe. He's
0: spoiling it for me too.
1: If you have not seen the whole series,
0: including Future, right? Skip ahead about
1: twenty minutes. Yeah, including Future. Skip ahead about twenty minutes because I don't want to spoil this for you. It's a really amazing take. Yeah, you don't have to listen. I can just talk. That's fine. You know, but really. it it is an important part of the story Mm -hmm. it is a culmination of a lot of the story so if you don't want to be spoiled on this particular instance of Mm -hmm. what happens to a certain main character in this
0: show (laughs) maybe a title uh, character
1: (laughs) yeah maybe the title character of this show uh skip ahead about 15-20 minutes after the break you'll be safe but i'm about to just totally totally discuss the last two episodes of this show so (laughs) that's kind of where we're going. That being said, I do have a new client currently in the timeline, taking place right after the end of the last episode of the series. So I am in Beach City. There was this massive monster that was threatening to destroy the city. Come to find out, that monster is now one of my clients. So here we go. So I am seeing Steven, who is a teenager in his late teens. Gender identities, A little interesting because he's half gem half human so he goes by he his him pronouns i have him listed as male identifying but gems are a little bit more non-binary like there's there's a whole discussion about that so i have him set as male identifying but things are different things are things are a little wonky when you're talking about alien races and things so just putting that out there currently in a relationship and has just experienced a huge what he's describing as a mental breakdown. So really what's going on here with this this kid, because he is a kid, he has been in life-threatening situations and seeing life-threatening situations since he was a child. He has been thrown into traumatic event after traumatic event after traumatic event and recently He actually was in a fight with another gem and shattered that gem, which for those of us who are not familiar with gem biology, shattering a gem is the equivalent of killing them. And so he kills another gem. And through some extraneous stuff, he is able to heal that gem. However, he still has the act of killing someone on his conscience. So he is living with that on his conscience now. And on top of that, the acts of all of the violent things he's seen throughout his life. He describes that he puts on this face that he feels is extremely not genuine. He feels that he tries to help everyone else. He puts his feelings aside for everyone else's. He wants to make sure nobody's worried, nobody's scared, nobody's, you know, in trouble. And he also, as a part of this facade, has this belief that he can fix any problem that occurs. So there are times in which he's had these difficult situations where he has been able to fix things. However, he says he realized recently that that facade is exactly that, it's fake. And had an emotional breakdown where he kept referring to himself as a fraud, partially for lying to his friends and family about having killed someone and by pretending that everything was okay and pretending that nothing was going wrong, pretending that he was doing just okay and just like, you know, I'm so happy and optimistic and positive. And then underneath all that, there's this turmoil and chaos. This leads to him exclaiming, I'm a monster. And the thing about gems, especially Steven, because he's got some extra special stuff, If he believes he is a monster, that is the form that he takes and he becomes this giant kaiju kind of monster and threatens to destroy the city. Luckily, his friends and family are able to were able to stop him through reminding him of his humanity and things like that. He describes before having this sort of breakdown, this this, you know, discussion that he's a monster, that he's had intrusive, violent thoughts. Uh, that he has had more than one passing thought of, and I quote, running White Diamond's head through a pillar. So really just experiencing a lot of the ramifications of growing up around violence and trauma as he's now getting older and realizing that this pattern is no longer working for him. So the reason I bring him in is because we're here, and I'm kind of answering the question way early ahead of time, but I mean, it's okay. The reason I'm bringing him in here, because this is a perfect case for acceptance and commitment therapy. This is like a textbook act example. Stephen is spending so much energy and time and effort avoiding, ignoring, and fighting what he's feeling in order to make it seem like things are okay. And I, if I had a nickel for every client that they came in working with this kind of stuff, I'd be a much richer therapist. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it goes into talking about how do we deal with those issues in an ACT framework. So that's kind of where we're working today. Uh, ACT is one of the theories that I tend to pull from, as well as narrative and feminist. So today we're leaning into that ACT perspective or acceptance and commitment therapy so talking about his emotions is where you start at least for me that's where we start and usually i start with people on that by getting them to notice what they're feeling in their body so we would talk about you know like tell me what it was like to start realizing like i can't keep this facade up what was it like to hold that up and typically it's pretty exhausting for people to pretend they're not feeling what they're feeling because it takes a lot of energy to compartmentalize all that stuff so then you know okay so it's exhausting it's tiring What else? Well, I didn't feel like I was me. I felt like I was this fraud. Okay, so when you're feeling exhausted, you're feeling like a fraud, you're feeling disingenuine, go ahead and just imagine what that was like for me. And I want you to motion over the part of your body where you're feeling that feeling. So you would do like waving your hand. Let's say the exhaustion is like a tension in your forehead. You would wave your hand over your forehead. And I would say just pay attention to that. Pay attention to where that feeling's at. And when it starts to fade, you can slow down this motion until it stops. And that does a couple of things. It starts getting people to pay attention to what's going on in their body. Um, which uh, I'm a big believer in mind-body connection. Uh, There is a lot of evidence to back this up that what you feel emotionally gets felt physically and your body remembers the stuff that you've been put through. So for him, you know, noticing, let's say it's a tension in the forehead. I'm not sure if that's exactly where he would feel it, but that's a place that is where tension and anxiety can be felt. He mentions over his forehead and then he stops. And then you say, what about that stopping part? That's kind of interesting because a lot of people fall into this trap that we think our emotions are going to last forever. Mm-hmm. We're going to feel like this forever. And teenagers fall into this trap even more quickly because they're so much more egocentric than adults are. Well, some adults are still pretty right. egocentric, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's really going to feel that and feel like this is, I've, nobody's ever felt this way before, which is a common quote you hear from teenagers and people of this age group of like, nobody's ever felt this way before, nobody understands me. And it's going to be like this forever. And you can start teaching people like, no, actually emotions fade and they tend to fade pretty quickly when you start paying attention to them. When you ignore them though, they stick around and they Mm -hmm. fester and they get, really gross. Uh, So the metaphor I use for this is Tupperware because Mm -hmm. if you put leftovers in Tupperware they'll stay for a while, you know, you can keep them fresh for a little while. But if you let that Tupperware go for a month, two months, three months, six months, a year, the stuff in that Tupperware is gonna get real gross. And so it's like, you can put your emotions into Tupperware. You're more than welcome to, but you have to go back and open up the Tupperware and clean it out, get those leftovers out of there. So that way it's not just sitting there and stinking up your whole fridge uh, metaphorically. And this is something that Steven's been doing. He's been compartmentalizing because he's been in these situations where there's people dying and fighting and really understanding how that affects somebody who's, you know, a middle schooler or an early high schooler, your brain is still developing at that age. We've, and it's interesting, the more research that comes out, the more that age gets extended. It used to be 22, then it was 24, now I think mm-hmm. it's 25. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's just continuing to go up and up and up. But at 13, 14 years old, you're still very impressionable and your brain is still making those connections that are going to really drive who you're going to be. And so he's just surrounded by violence. What do we see happens to people with that? And this is how I would talk to him about that too, It's just normalizing this experience. Okay, look, you've been fighting your whole, like the last few years of your life, you've just been fighting and fighting and fighting. And yes, he is usually the person to, go for a more pacifistic answer, but that also takes effort when somebody else around you is trying to hurt you or hurt someone you care about. It takes a lot of energy to do all that stuff. And so this is how he's been formed. And you just go, okay. So it's normal that a person, given your situation, given your surroundings would react in this way. We actually have a word for this. It's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And explaining to him like this is normal this isn't you're not weird you're not crazy you're not a monster you're not a fraud you're having a very human experience given what's been going on in your life and then working on the next piece of the act stuff which is what do we have as an experience of being a human So cognitive behavioral therapy, traditional cognitive behavioral therapy would tell you you've got your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors, and that's it. That's human experience. This is why I like ACT, because ACT adds in a few other things, the most important of those being the self, your personality, who you are. And the main tenet of that in ACT is that your self is separate from your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. What you feel, what you think, and what you do do not make you who you are. And I would discuss that with Stephen too, because he's got this internal you know, thought that's all up on him, like, I'm a monster, I'm a fraud. These are some really deep, dark fears and thoughts. And to go, you have made some mistakes, sure. You did not want to hurt another person. You didn't want to kill another gem or shatter another gem. And you did. And you know what that felt like. I feel like I'm holding back my power all the time. And in this fight, I actually was able to let go and it felt good. And it's like, okay, let's deal with the guilt that comes up from that. Cause it's like, it felt good to hurt somebody. And just slowly picking apart, like you are not the decisions you have made. You have made mistakes. So have all of us. You have had feelings that are difficult to handle. So have all of us. You have these thoughts that pop into your head that you don't want there. So have all of us. It's extremely human. And I would use that word with him, especially given his background as being half gem and half human and say, look, this is humanity and you have the gift of humanity. And you have to deal with the... Horrible things that come with that, like feeling guilt and shame. But also knowing that those feelings are just feelings. They cannot hurt you. They cannot reach out and make you do anything. And they do not make you who you are. He gets to decide. He gets the choice of who he wants to be. If he wants to be a monster, go for it. It's not my job to make decisions for him. If he wants to live a less violent life and deal with this trauma and deal with these emotions, that's the much harder path. And he has the choice to go down that one too. So I was actually having this conversation with some other clients on using you know other issues earlier, but same exact conversation of my job here is not to tell you which option to take, not my job. Mm-hmm. My job is to present the options to you as I see them. You can continue your life the way that you've been living. You have every right to. And some of the stuff in the way that you've been living makes sense. However, you're here talking to me, which means on some level, you know, something in your life isn't working right now. Well, there's this other path. It's different. And there's lots of branching paths off of it. We don't know where it's going, but it's different. The stuff that's not comfortable now, Maybe it changes if we try something different. And again, it's not my job to tell you which one to take. If you want to stick on the path that's uncomfortable, that's fine. Come in, talk to me. We'll talk about it. We'll process it. But if you want to make change in your life, you're the only one who can. And it can start in little ways, like making your bed when you get up in the morning, taking a shower, eating a meal, not even a healthy meal, just a meal starting with those very base building block things of taking care of yourself and making choices to be better. Not miles and miles better, like a couple inches at a time, consistently. And that's kind of where I would go with Steven too. Say so like, hey, if you want to be a monster, be my guest, totally, or by something different. And it sounds like a life of violence, is not one that's going to fit well for who he wants to be what would be different so that's where I'm going to leave that
0: thank you yes and Mm. you know he I think at the beginning he's like I know in one of the episodes I was watching at least he was 14 that's probably near the end of the series but he he spends most of his formative years as a as a teen and child in violence so there's a lot he goes through also just with that identity of human and gem, so i think that was so important to lean on and you kind of talked about why steven <laughs> with his connection to a very um act perspective perspective yeah. but i'm wondering maybe do I have a little deeper into the why of like that connection to steven or if there was a connection to steven or like oh yeah share oh yeah
1: I mean, there's a reason I gravitate towards ACT anyway. Mm -hmm. ACT makes sense for how I think. ACT makes sense for who I've been. The first time I heard Stephen Hayes, who's the founder of ACT, talk on a TED Talk, I literally sat there and was just like, this man's brain is programmed like my brain. He knows what I think. He knows what I feel. Because ACT is this idea of, hey, look, we've got these difficult feelings and thoughts and it's pretty natural to wanna not feel them. And if you don't, they don't go away. They just stick around. And Stephen having this facade of, I'm the optimist, I'm the positive one, I'm the one who makes other people laugh. I'm here to help you, I'm here to fix this is a very familiar turf for me and how I think. I have actively had to work on some of that stuff. Um, even just throughout learning how to be a therapist, like get letting go of I need to fix this person was a huge thing for me, just to be honest about it, because mm-hmm. you just can't, you, 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 you literally can't. And I, I use this with clients all the time now where it's like, we're human, we're not an object, I can't fix you. And you can't fix you, you're not broken. You might need to heal a little bit and we can work on that we can set the bone or put a bandage on it metaphorically Mm -hmm. but there's nothing to fix you're not broken and it took me a long time to get there so i think that's part of it and yeah the optimist like humor to cover stuff like is just me to a t i think one of the things i really love in those last two episodes the second to last episode is called everything's fine and it's because steven keeps going oh no i'm fine everything's great mm-hmm. i'm yeah nope it's good it's fine and i think that's extremely relatable to anybody who's been socialized male in this society you're not allowed to talk about how you feel until someone tells you it's okay to break the rules mm-hmm. And so I totally, as a 17-year-old, oh, yeah. I think he's, like, 17 or 18. Connie's going end, to college. Yeah. So it's, like, and yeah. Connie's, like, a
0: year older, I think. Yeah.
1: So. so he's, like, 17 or 18. And, yeah, as a 17 or 18-year-old, yeah, totally get that. No, you're not allowed to feel what you, what you feel. Just cover it up. Just hide it. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's okay. As long as I'm laughing, I'm not crying. So that's fine. hmm so yeah, there's there was more to the choosing other than like me going, "Yes, this is a great choice for Act," but I think it's also because there's a lot of overlap in how I view that character with me as well. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. <laughs> and it's why I like working with teens cuz I've I know what that feeling is like. It's hard and it's horrible, and you can get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working with teens and also working with adults who are dealing with self-loathing is one of my favorite things to do because been to that dark side of the moon, seen it.
0: Bought the t-shirt, came back. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know what the, I know what it's like over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other the other metaphor I use is like, "Hey, that's really cool that you keep grabbing that knife and putting it into your heart.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, you can put the knife down, right?" And I'm actually reminded of something, like something I said, which. I very rarely remember what I say in session, um, but I was talking with a client using that same metaphor, and they were. And the client was like, "I, I just am so comfortable suffering," mm-hmm. and my response was, "You deserve more than suffering." And I think that that is a that was as much for me as it was for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I could talk to my past self, that would be what I would tell teenage me, early adulthood me: "You deserve more than suffering." Uh, And then the other thing I say when it comes to that stuff too is you don't get martyr points. You don't get points for suffering. Mm -hmm. Grim Reaper doesn't come at the end of your life and be like five more minutes. Mm -hmm. Doesn't happen. Don't get martyr points. Put the knife down. You deserve more than suffering. And if anybody is listening right now and you are identifying with this, listen, you can put the knife down. You deserve more than suffering.
0: Mm -hmm. I was just watching the episode where he has decided to go off to home planet and kind of sacrifice himself to like save the others and then has to deal with the like them coming back and reacting his sacrifice and realizing that like his like him just wanting to like fix it and make it all better and I will sacrifice myself if it helps everybody else had consequences because that wasn't a decision that he had to make for everyone and so much of that comes from that idea of like i will i will sacrifice if they don't have to and it's like no doesn't always have to work that way
1: doesn't always have to be you
0: Mm -hmm. well thank you thank you we will come back after a short break with some more from steven universe Hey y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online
1: welcome back to stories with shrinks where we're talking about characters from steven universe we just wrapped up my talking with steven and we are here in beach city and jen i believe you have a new client
0: i do and i'm not gonna spoil as much as tyler did i'm still in the the end of the show the regular show so just steven universe is where my timeline takes place and i would say takes place within the last couple episodes as things start to wrap up in that story arc before the final battle between blue and yellow diamond Um, but i am working with a gem her name is pearl she uses the she her pronouns in kind of gem culture She would probably identify as sexless. They don't really have prescribed genders in that way. But she is a member of the Crystal Gems. She's currently living on Earth with her fellow Crystal Gems, her friends, while protecting Earth and caring and teaching for Stephen, her closest friend and confidant's son. She describes herself as a perfectionist and knows she is struggling with a dependent need for others to validate her, resulting in very low self-worth and esteem. And a part of her is very direct about telling this, but you can tell that there is a very stiff wall of, I can talk about the fact that I have low self-esteem and I'm dependent on others, but I do not want to talk about the fact of what's underneath there. She reports feeling easily flustered and overwhelmed when she feels as though she's failing, which leads her to make impulsive decisions in order to feel in control. She talks about how she's very good at compartmentalizing on a surface level, but she thinks about her past as all being a mess, and she directly describes a time where she loses her cell phone, and she asks Stephen to go inside her head to figure out where she left it, and when she... When Steven addresses the first layer, Pearl has everything neatly organized in rows by alphabetical order and makes the comment, oh, on surface level, everything's good. Underneath is where things get messy. And every time Steven has to go one layer deep kind of into her unconscious, things get more emotional and more messy and more repressed and um Stephen really sees how hard it is for Pearl to kind of keep things very compartmentalized and she talks about how she's very good at compartmentalizing on a service level but when she thinks about it it's all very a mess and is struggling with adapting to earth culture even after all these years being in the beach city and though pessimistic about her perspective of humans she still fundamentally has decided and is dedicated to her cause to protect Earth. So together we're establishing these primary therapy goals of working towards understanding her own personal narrative, all of her experiences leading up to this point um, to better understand her relationship with her own self-esteem and her need for others' approval. During this process, we began talking about her relationship to Pink Diamond slash Rose Quartz, who she recently was able to tell people were one in the same that rose quartz was pink diamond Mm -hmm. and it was the only way that rose felt that she could truly protect Earth. um we talked about how she was first assigned as rose's pearl fundamentally a servant but during their time together they grew closer as friends as confidants until pearl developed feelings for her So when Rose began to fall in love with Greg and she watched her make decisions that took her farther away from herself, she struggled with feelings of rejection and not being good enough. And later when Rose decided to sacrifice herself to have a child, Pearl was not only left grieving for the love while she was also promising to raise her son. And that's a very hard transition, like knowing that, I am here on earth, and I thought I was going to be here on earth with someone that I loved forever, kind of as my subservient role, and now kind of left with the pieces of everything that happened. So we begin to talk about how it was for her in her first part of her life, um, especially with her primary narrative to serve within like gem cultures each gem has a role and a purpose and a defined way of living and if you go against that you get exiled you're considered like a deficient gem and you risk a lot of consequences and as a pearl they are there to serve the diamonds And how that actually influences her self-worth overall and kind of giving herself that understanding that her narrative was very much written in a way that reflects how she's feeling, but it doesn't have to stay written that way. And we begin to really explore what that means for her, how she was created and trained to be in a service role, which resulted in this scripted narrative of what your value and your worth is based on how you serve others how having to keep Rose's secrets put her in a place of feeling constantly isolated from her fellow gems, and how her primary coping skill has been to keep things within her control and her order. She constantly tells of the feeling of I'm doing it for her and now I'm doing it for him and bringing in that idea, okay, so when are you going to start doing it for yourself? When do you no longer have to serve someone else's wishes, but instead serve because it's for you and what you want and what you value? We also spend a little bit of time talking about her acculturation process and adapting to life on Earth. She has a very strong connection to her culture on home planet and was raised in a very strict culture of Each gem has a purpose, each gem has a role and Rose flipped that script for everyone. And with the idea that Earth was originally just meant to be a tool to be colonized to help the gems grow and now seeing Earth as completely different due to Rose. And then when Rose dying, how much of it was you following Rose and just kind of going based on what she felt? things were and the culture she was trying to create and what do you want to take from it what do you want to take from home planet what do you want to take from earth what do you want to take from rose and how do you go about creating your own value system based off of it and how do you go about creating understanding of your experience of what's going on around you Finally, we would spend some time talking about her relationship to Rose altogether. You can tell that Pearl really struggles with watching Stephen grow and the parts of Stephen that is Rose and the parts of Stephen that is Greg and her relationship to Greg is strained because he was the guy that Rose chose at the end of the day. And it wasn't Pearl, even though Mm -hmm. Pearl was always by her side and what it's been like to help Rose's son Not just grieving the loss of your love, but having to watch the gem she did love, not choose her and then lose her again. So really diving into how that all kind of plays out now, how that helps guide her decision making, how these primary points of our narrative has really defined our decision making now. And again, allowing that reauthoring so that it doesn't have to keep guiding our decision-making. Someone else wrote this part of your narrative, that's okay. What do you want it to say now? What do you want these decisions to mean now? Rose doesn't have to keep making your decisions for you. Steven doesn't have to keep making decisions for you. What do you wanna do? And ultimately helping Pearl find her own place and purpose in the world. She's seeing um, Granite really choose to, be together Um, once the secrets revealed that rose was pink diamond everyone kind of has their own little existential moment of like so what's the point what's the purpose what's keeping us here and pearl has to go through that same process what is your place in all of this what is your purpose here on earth and that way she feels she can value herself and find worth in herself not so much based on service to others and their perceived approval but based on her own approval of herself and unlike some people I have not finished watching the whole show and I don't know everything that happens yet Tyler um, (laughs) apparently there's a monster in Stephen's future but kind of looking a little bit ahead for Pearl knowing that she is really able to kind of come through this to find what she wants to do and again kind of Allowing therapy to be that bridge of as things start to settle here on earth before that final gem battle and what it leads into the future, giving her a foundation of you get to make your choices. And I think there's such a cool moment where they are battling off between yellow and blue diamond. And Stephen is kind of in this spirit form and going through each gem and kind of giving them that encouragement that they need. And Pearl is kind of re singing that song of do it for her, do it for him. And Stephen goes, no, do it for yourself. And she kind of snaps back into it of like, I can do this for me. I want to do this for me. And it's such a cool moment to see her kind of, kind of pick herself up that way. So yes, that is,
1: mm.
0: that is Pearl and what we are working on in therapy.
1: There you go. Well, before we dig into the question we always ask, I have, yes. a, I have a follow-up. I have a follow-up this time. You have time. a follow-up? My follow-up is you talked about acculturation. Mm-hmm. And... I think it's interesting, we're talking about characters that are not from this planet. Yes. And so when we normally talk about culture in a therapeutic sense, we're talking about, you know, different demographic cultures for sure, or different culture like the culture of growing up in a rural community versus Mm -hmm. an urban community, or, you know, all of those different ways that people are socialized. What is it like extending that thought on culture into, your entire planet is different because it's a it's a very different look at what it it becomes super macro yes versus what we kind of talk about normally
0: so i think for just culture in general but specifically talking about the this the gems anytime you come to a new place and you've decided to now permanently live here it's a shift you are taking everything you knew and the rules may not be the same where you're going. Um, and it's an interesting kind of display that, and I don't remember because I watched the early seasons so long ago, how Beach City, I think the gems were just always there. I, they've mm-hmm. always just kind of been there because they've been there for so many years now and kind of always been around but you can still see how each gem doesn't always quite catch up the same way and you see it a lot when new gems come onto earth mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna blank on their names but there's the green one and the blue Heriot. one yes <laughs> thank, you. Lapis. Lapis thank you and lapis and thank you yes um and how much they struggle just even learning all the things that earth has to offer for them mm-hmm and that their purpose doesn't have to be their purpose anymore so it's if you go back to pearl for instance like on home planet all the pearls are servants (laughs) to somebody else and most often to the diamonds um but they'll be servants to like many of the other gems of higher statue and coming to earth now of like no, you kind of just get to do what you want to do and you don't have to be in a subservient role that way. And learning that culture difference, anyone who's immigrated over from a collectivistic culture to an individualistic culture, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how long ago it happened. It's a part of your narrative and you've had to adapt in a way and If we look at like United States specifically, we have an attitude of you adapt to us and that is the final say. And it's not fair, it's not right. It shouldn't have to be that way. Um, It should very much be more of a um, what do you value conversation and how can you take those values and what you want from your culture and apply it now and What do you want from other cultures and how can you incorporate that into your value system and really make an identity for yourself? And then if you don't want it, you don't have to adapt into it either. If you are very comfortable within your cultural system, there shouldn't be a societal pressure, even though like 100% understanding that there is, to just adapt without any question of it. And talking about her core narrative is based on a planet that has completely different structural identities and rules and way of living. And how do you just take it and bring it over here? And I think what's interesting is for her narrative, so much of it was in a, of course I will mentality because she was following Rose no matter what. And then she loses Rose. And then cool. What now? I kind of yeah. all did this for her, who am I without her? And almost having to start that uh, that process of figuring out who you are and your value system and how you take on the world after you lose that purpose. It's, it's interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know if that answered your question, but it was a long maybe way about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think whenever we discuss culture, we should probably disclose that like, hey, we're two white people.
0: Yeah, there's lots of privilege in saying that, like, yeah. our perspective of it, and that's why I'm always, like, this is just one understanding of it, yeah. and it's not always the right way, and it's definitely not the right way. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. just wanted to make that very clear for yes. anyone. Who, that Like, a, acculturation is such an interesting topic when it comes to these characters considering... How strong their home culture is. Mm-hmm. However, you and I have never experienced actual acculturation, a very no. serious thing that happens yes. to people who immigrate to this country mm-hmm. uh, or to any country besides their home country. So Absolutely. I wanted to just wanted to point that part out, but I did want to discuss it. So, yeah.
0: and um, I think, and again, I'm biased towards narrative mm-hmm. therapy, but I I always invite clients if they're ready and feeling safe and comfortable that have a acculturation story. Uh-huh. to talk about that process for them because it is a process and so often we're told not to talk about it uh-huh. um and you know what it was what was it like for you what was it like for your family and if you don't feel safe and comfortable yet that's okay you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be forced to tell your story by any means, but this is a place where you can, if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it, what does it mean for you? What did it mean for your family? And it's okay if it's different. It's okay if it's the same um, and provide, provide a place to talk about it if they, if they need to.
1: Thank you. And so then the question we always have. Yes. What's about, what, what is it about Pearl? What what is it about Pearl?
0: Um, So I can totally relate to the compartmentalizing. I don't have jars that I just keep very tightly, just like (laughs) shoved down deep with my stuff. Um, I loved Pearl for how how her coping skills were displayed. Like it is so in that anxious ball of energy of I have to keep everyone happy and I have to be in control and I can do it, it's fine. Um, And my heart just breaks for her with that story arc of like greg and steven and hers relationship Mm -hmm. the song it's over isn't it is beautiful i talked about it at the beginning Mm -hmm. but um it's you know watching her really like grieve and i love grief we all know this um (laughs) grieve rose and her relationship with her friend and um kind of feeling like that second that second choice is very relatable So, um, when you, when you're watching someone you like, like somebody else, um, been there, done that, got that t-shirt, as you would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's great. I, I like her a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. We are, yeah, we're wrapping this up. We can probably come back to this universe at some point. There are so many characters and so many stories. Um,
0: absolutely.
1: I know that we both have a soft spot for Garnet, also, or mm-hmm. Ruby and Sapphire, and we haven't even touched on that. So or if just the
0: human characters in the show. Yeah,
1: Connie is also a really interesting Connie's character. Great. Lars. Lars is great. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we'll, pro- we'll probably circle back here at some point.
0: Absolutely. Also, what is Onion? who is onion (laughs) i think onion is truly the unsung hero of that show (laughs) yes but uh, steven universe is great if you haven't watched it don't be don't be shy to it's one of those shows i've seen so many of my therapist friends but also just friends go like this is a kid show oof because it's not
1: yes it's it's very mature
0: very touches on a lot of deep issues but because it's presented in a cartoon form i think it's much more approachable mm-hmm.
1: agreed uh, and so that that'll be the end of our episode for this time if you enjoyed it share it tell your friends leave us a review on itunes or wherever you happen to be listening to this always oh, check way us to out us. on
0: instagram as well stories with strengths. Mm-hmm.
1: take care everyone bye y'all Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com.